Good morning. You may be seated. Well, wasn't that an incredible time of worship? It's, uh, we've been praying for breakthrough worship every week because we are believing for people to encounter God. You, you really feel quite inadequate after the presence of God like that. You think to yourself, what could I possibly say to not compete, but to contribute to God's presence like that. You know, you feel, and you just feel God say, just go and tell them about me. And you know, God is just so good. I love that in the Old Testament, they would gather around the presence of God. They would gather in the presence of God. And so it's life changing. And I think I always say, I don't necessarily remember every message that I've heard, but I definitely remember the encounters that I've had with God. And so I would encourage you, if you have not had that experience, or you can say, you know what, I've never really felt that, definitely seek, definitely lean in, and God will take care of the rest, and your life will be changed, amen? Well, um, Ellie, as she mentioned, was uh, down in Los Angeles this week, which was pretty cool. She got to... Um, uh, work with a bunch of women and, and minister, and that, and that was pretty awesome. Um, so it was really just three boys left at our house, Mark, Oscar, and Beckett. Three and a half. <laughs> Mark, Oscar, and Beckett. And I made an inner vow that I would not go into the boys' restroom while Ellie was away. We actually said this, we said, you know what? Our washing machine, our vacuum cleaner have been working so hard, they need a vacation too. <laughs> so we gave them the week off. And of course, when Ellie got home, there were deep moans and cries of, for help. <laughs> it wasn't good. She was upset. <laughs> so today I'm talking on forgiveness. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I should. I actually, uh, Ellie has been preaching so good the last couple of messages that she's preached. And it's crazy. Sometimes God's presence seems to rest on a person. And I don't know why uh, God does that. But Ellie is the, the word that she has in season. And I can tell you, uh, she is an incredible woman of God. And I still have her in my phone as Pastor Ellie. So <laughs> since we were young and dated. Okay. So today we're going to talk about faith. We're in a season of faith as a church. We are believing for 2023 and everything that God has for us. And we're also believing for you personally. So we, our faith is applied corporately and it's applied personally. We're believing that God is going to do incredible things in your life. And I think, as we shared a couple of weeks ago, we're believing for miracles. Because God is a God of miracles. He's not confined by our box, what we sometimes tend to put him in based on our lived experiences. No, God can go beyond that. And so our heart as a church is to believe for God to do the miraculous. And so as a church, we are praying one day that God, we will be handed the keys to our very own building. Wouldn't that be incredible? A story of what God can do. But I believe that starts from our faith. God will meet us at our faith. God will stir us. He'll invest. He'll put that in our heart. And I believe as we pray for that, incredible things 
uh, can happen. And so I'm excited for this season. In fact, I believe that this is a season where God is depositing things in our heart to believe for, to pray for, to expect. And so as we activate the principle of sowing and reaping, you know, faith is action. Faith without good works is dead. And so as we put our faith to action, there are things that we should be expecting to happen. And we're not caught off guard and we're not surprised because God brought the increase. Amen. That's exciting. So today I want to talk about something that I believe can help us, not just apologetically in terms of how we reach people, but can help us in discovering who our true identity is in Christ. And I believe that our true identity in Christ is accessed through faith, through faith. And we're in a season of faith, but our true identity in Christ is accessed through faith. But this got me to start thinking about, well, why am I the way I am? Talking about identity, how come do I sound like this? Because, by the way, I don't have an accent. You do. (laughs) Why do I think the way that I think? Why do I respond to my basic needs? Shelter, food. Why do I dress the way that I do? Do you know I was, uh, we have two boys. And you would think if you have two kids, they would be very similar. But they're not. (laughs) They're completely different. In fact, Ellie and I are completely different in the way in which we respond to life. And I don't know why we are different, but if we see a spider, Ellie will go into a room and she'll say, Mark, there is a huge spider in one of the rooms. You need to come now because it's about to eat Beckett. It is so big I can't describe it. And this is who Ellie is for some reason. I don't know why she's the way that she is. Something happened in her life. I will walk into the room and there'll be this tiny little spider up on the wall, not bothering anyone, just looking for a mosquito to snack on. But for some reason, within who Ellie is, are there people here scared of spiders? Yes. Ellie is scared of spiders. Is there people here scared of snakes? If you didn't say no, there's a great place called Australia (laughs) that you would love to move to. But have you ever thought about this? Why why are you like you? I get the vocal cords and your sound and stuff and all of those little nuances and and things, but why, why do you respond to life the way that you respond to life? How does that happen? Because nothing is an accident. You can't rise above sowing and reaping. God won't be mocked. Why are we the way that we are? You know, I was driving from the ministry center and I was coming out down Mount Diablo Boulevard and I had to turn left onto Alpine. You don't know the streets, it doesn't matter, but there's a whole bunch of cars lined up in the right lane. The car in front of me, they were on their phone. It was a young guy. It's so frustrating. And I don't know why I respond the way that I do, but I do. So Ellie will happily sit there, take a moment to pray, put a worship song on. Not me. I have to go round the person and then turn back in just to make a point. Don't cut them off. That's, that's, that's rude. But I'll go in front. But the person took that offensively. Maybe there's something about my driving. 
And they decided in their wisdom what, what the best thing to do was to drive as close to me as possible. They just wanted to be close to me. <laughs> I don't know why. I said, come on in. Come as far up behind me as you can. There's plenty of room. But this is how this person chose to respond. What's in their thinking? So many people respond so differently. You're starting to, starting to hear what I'm saying here? The way in which we react and respond. One person will hear, hey, you're about to lose your job. And so to one person, they'll say, awesome. There's an incredible opportunity coming my way. Another person will hear, I'm about to lose my job, and their whole world falls apart. They start freaking out. They run to their Bible and start quoting scriptures as if the end of the world is about to happen. Some people hear a bad medical report and the way in which they respond. Some people respond by being captivated by fear. And some people respond by saying and declaring God's promises and God's word, that I am healed by his stripes. Amen? So we respond so differently. But why are you the way that you are? What's causing that? What's causing you to respond in positive and negative ways, or let's say biblical and unbiblical ways, to the reality of life? How does that happen? I think point one, but it's not a point, but one I'm trying to say is that it is not an accident that you are the way that you are. It's on purpose. Yes, there are some things that are outside of your control, but in reality, God gave you free will to make decisions regardless of what's happened to you. You can still sow your way to victory, which is good news, which is incredible. And so I've, I've been thinking uh, on this, and so I started to do some research, and one of the ways the world, I guess, would kind of try to respond to this would be what you've probably heard before is uh, nature versus nurture. Everybody's heard about this? Uh, nature versus nurture, or a more eloquent way to say it would be genetics versus environment your genetic makeup and the influences of your parents versus the environment and the culture that you come from. Nature coming from our genes, our DNA, and many factors about you, such as your height, your hair color, your eye color, and uh, all of those things that make you who you are. Or nurture comes from the effect of your environment or the family that you grew up in. You know, I remember Ellie and I, uh, we were doing marriage counselling for a young couple, their pre-marital counselling as they prepared to get married. And um, I remember this couple, one family was very passionate about the butter that you put on your bread being kept in the fridge. The other family, however, was a no-butter-in-fridge family. <laughs> and the tension <laughs> that was in that atmosphere when we were talking them through this process was incredible because one person was absolutely adamant, I'm not marrying a person that refuses to put butter in the fridge. <laughs> so you can see nature versus nurture. These things do significantly impact us. So my thought is I wonder what's possible. And we're about to get to the word of God here in scripture. My question is I wonder what's, what's possible. What could be, what personality What's possible of a person, who they can become 
if they were only guided by nature and nurture. That's it. You can turn your news on and you can look at some of the craziest, unspeakable, saddest things that people become in the way that they respond to life. It's crazy how far it can go. If nature and nurture are the only two thing, uh, are the only two driving forces behind who we are and who we're becoming, then what hope would we have to ever become Christ-like? What hope would we have if it was you were just a victim of nature and nurture? If you were trapped by that and that was your lot, you could not believe for more because that was it. Now I'd like to make a truth claim right here. You are exactly who God created you to be, including the parts about you that you don't know yet, that have not yet been revealed. Your true identity, God knows exactly who you are. Regardless of what's been written on who you are and how you think about yourself, oh, I could never see myself on stage holding a microphone. Oh, I could never see myself witnessing to a friend. Oh, I could never step out in faith and start my own business. Regardless of how you see you, you, how you think you are, God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly. This is really, really good news. Because the way I see myself sometimes disqualifies myself from what God's called me to do. I put all these conditions, I put all of these limitations on myself because of the way that I see myself. And what's so sad, a lot of those conditions and limitations actually come from insecurities and fears, not from God. And I cut myself off from what God wants to do through me. And I shy away from, and I back down, and I, and I hesitate. But you know this, you are exactly who God says you are, including that which you do not know yet about your true identity. And if you really want to seek and know exactly what your true identity in Christ is, then the most theologically accurate way that would be to study the attributes of God. If you want to know who you are, because the ultimate calling of us in our sanctification process of becoming like Christ is to be like Jesus. And Jesus is God. So who is God? So when I study the attributes of God and his nature, that gives me a sign, it gives me a perspective of who I am created to be. I love what we just sung in our song this morning. I am who you say I am. Amen? I am who you say I am. God's attributes are fully expressed through Jesus' existence. Let's do this. Let's just show how crazy the mislabeling and the misidentifying can be. Uh, I want to put an image on the screen. What would you call that? Can someone? A bell, bell pepper. Let's reveal what it is. It's a capsicum. That's been correctly labelled. Did you know that's actually its correct, correct term? 
<laughs> the emotion in here right now. <laughs> the anger. <laughs> Let's do another one. What, what, what is that called? Wrong again. <laughs> that is a rock melon. That's what its actual terminology is. That's what it's called. Right? Does anybody know what that is? You were close. It's actually called beetroot. Beetroot. That's what it is. Now, now it's funny, but can you imagine, can you imagine telling God who you are? I think some, we might have missed that. Can you imagine telling God who you are? Saying, God, this is who I am. This is my identity. I wonder if I get to heaven, I say, hi, I'm Australian. Nice to meet you. He'll go, what's that? (laughs) Imagine trying to tell God who you are. It doesn't make sense. Have you ever thought about Arrogant, I thought about arrogance and where, what arrogance actually is and where it comes from. Arrogance is being proud of the identity you created outside of God. It's saying, God, this is who I am. Look what my gifts and talents have achieved. That's what arrogance is. Being proud of the identity you and others created outside of God for yourself. You know, I've met arrogant people and you know what they say? They say things like, being a Christian is for weak-minded people, which I completely disagree with. And the reason why is because being a Christian to me means that it is one of the most uh, challenging, uh, surrendering my will and my desire to God is one of the most challenging and hardest physical and mental and spiritual things that you can do on the planet. I don't want to be the person who's proudful in my own identity that I created for myself. No, I want the identity of Christ. I want it to be in Christ. So Romans 12.2. It says, don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you know, I believe that you can define your identity like this. There was who you were and whose you are. Who you were is your flesh man. The identity that you and the world created for yourself. But who you are, whose you are, when you have the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, there is no other way to the Heavenly Father but through Jesus. Once you have that revelation, you realise whose you are. And then in that pursuit, you start to believe what the Bible says about you instead of what the world says about you. And so when the world says you can't, but God says you can, you don't stop, you keep going forward because your true identity is in Christ. It's choosing to deny myself and saying, God, less of me, more of him, more of you. It's not about me, your identity. But let's look at the verse just before Romans 12.2. It's Romans 12.1 and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you 
to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Wow. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. If you want God's true identity for your life, then we must deny ourselves. We must deny our flesh so that we don't live out the identity that we create, but we walk in the fullness of who Christ has called us to be. That's what I want. Amen? So I believe that there's faith at Exchange Church and in this house to deal with unbiblical beliefs that has formed an identity that we are not supposed to be carrying. There are things that we've picked up that are actually maybe within our subconscious, things and ways of patterns of thinking and behaviours that are short-circuiting or cutting us off from the fullness of what Christ has for us so that we don't have to walk in that fear and insecurity, but we can walk in faith and confidence so that we become all that God has for us. Now, I want you to think about this. When you look through Scripture, we see examples of people choosing to deny themselves and start trusting in God, trusting in Jesus, and therefore they see and have an impact that is far above anything that they could do in their own ability. Think about Moses. Moses denied God and had excuses five times. He said, it's not me. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't have the ability. I'm not confident. Will, will the, uh, uh, pe- God's people even recognize? How will they know it's me? He gets kept on making excuse after excuse. But you know what's so crazy? Even though Moses said, I can't, what was God's response? I am. I am that I am. And so I think Moses was looking at his inadequacies, the part of himself that says I can't, but God says it doesn't matter about whether you can or can't, whether you have the gifts, the talents, the resource, the revelation, whether you have the connections and the network, that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is I'm before you. I am the one sending you. I can. And so when we draw our strength from him and we place our faith in our true identity, who Christ has called us to be, then we don't live with those limitations. We're trusting in him. David, can you imagine being King David? Some of you probably feel like you've been put in the same position as King David. All of the brothers were lined up. They all had the stats. They were tall, handsome, educated the ones that you would look from the outside. But then someone had to go and get David. They brought him back. But imagine that trip from being out with the sheep back to the lineup. Imagine thinking to yourself, well, hang on a minute. Why wasn't I there in the first place? Why was I overlooked? I wonder if some of you have felt like that. And those moments have impacted the identity that God has does not have for you. And so we live. And instead of going and being chosen and being anointed, we actually say, you know what, that's not fair. I quit and I give up. I don't believe that we're supposed to live that way. We're supposed to trust. Some of you maybe feel like you weren't the favorite child in your family. The other one got away with everything. Does everyone have a a brother or sister that got away with everything when you were growing up? I had a big brother and a big sister and a little brother that got away with everything. (laughs) They got away with everything that I did. Some of you feel 
like you weren't the teacher's pet, you were the teacher's prey. <laughs> At school. You feel like it's not fair. And those things, if you're not careful, they'll shape your identity. You'll start to believe those things. And you'll start to behave and respond to life in a way that sh- shorts you from all that God has from your true identity in Christ. Think about Gideon. Gideon uh, was called by God to be his champion and to defeat the Midianites. That's what God had called him to be. And what was his response? He says, hang on a second, my family is the, the weakest and I'm the runt of the litter, basically. I'm not your guy. I'm not the one that's going to be able to do it. But yet somehow God speaks into his heart and he chooses to respond and trust God and God uses 300 men to defeat the Midianites, a supernatural thing. But he could have chosen the other. He could have gone the other way. And we can do that and we create an identity that's not who Christ has called us to be. See, I wonder what mountains in your life would be cast in the sea. You would watch those things cast in the sea because you choose to walk by faith in the fullness of Christ's identity for your life. I wonder how many things would begin to shift. Jonah, and because Jonah knew in his heart that God was going to heal Nineveh, he said he ran the other way to Tarshish because he didn't like God's plans for Nineveh. I wonder maybe... When it comes to our true identity and who we are in Christ, we know what God's asking in our life to give up, to lay down. And instead of running towards Christ, we run in the other direction of the thing that has a grip over us. And we never fully see God use us the way that God's called us to. Imagine that, says, uh, I surrender all. It doesn't say I surrender some. I surrender conveniently. It says, I surrender all. I surrender everything so that I can have the true identity. Maybe there's something that God is calling us to do that's not glamorous in our eyes or we don't feel comfortable to do that. And our identity that that we have made for ourselves is getting in the way of our true identity. Uh, Luke 16.10 says this, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Sometimes the path to your true identity in Christ is being faithful in the little thing that God's put in your hand right now. You may see the business that God has put in your heart but you're not currently faithfully serving the boss in your reality right now. Sometimes it means being faithful. I believe that faith and identity are closely linked. Hebrews 11.6 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I believe that faith gives you access to biblical promises. There are promises in Scripture. Faith is like a key. Faith is like this way in which we can see biblical promises come to pass. Faith will give you access to miracles. 
It's not your strength that's doing it. It's your faith in Christ, in God, that sees miracles take place. Faith will give you access to spiritual gifts, which we see in Scripture. Faith will give you access to your salvation. It's placing your faith in Christ. That's how salvation takes place. It's nothing. It's not your works. It's not any merit of yourself. It's your faith that Jesus rose from the dead that gives you access to your salvation. And here's in the context of this message, faith gives you access to your true identity in Christ. And you know what this means to me? This means that when I'm in a situation or a challenge or we're facing something together as a church, my, my human nature wants to lean towards myself and quit and give up and complain. No, God has called me by faith to trust in his ability and what he can do, and then we can see things shift, mountains move and be cast into the sea. I'll tell you, uh, Ellie and I, it was a challenging season in 2020, 2021, 2022, what the church went through um, and what the world went through with COVID. And then there was a bunch of social injustice movements and there was a bunch of, uh, there were people who were, um, you have to be vaccinated, there were people you don't get vaccinated, there were people you, are, are, you have to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. There was people who, I won't hang out with people who were vaccinated, I will. Then there was people who, I won't hang out with masks. I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing. So many things to divide the church. And I remember sitting there, Ellie and I were on the couch, and, and I think after maybe the 10th, 20th, 30th, 40th, person had left church and was upset at us because we weren't, as Ellie beautifully said in LA this week, we weren't black enough, we weren't white enough, we weren't Asian enough, we weren't um, compassionate enough, we weren't this, we weren't that. All the things that we weren't, people were frustrated with. We sat on the couch and we're like, man, this is hard. The Bay Area is a hard place to do ministry because you never feel qualified. But you know what was awesome is in that moment we were like, you know what, are we really called here? Because we want to make a difference, but are we really supposed to be here? And we're like, you know what? You know what would be nice? I remember back in Texas where you said Jesus and the whole church went wild and crazy and there's a breakthrough and that's all I said was Jesus. <laughs> here it's, it's very different. A lot of smart people in this area. And I start questioning myself thinking, well, I'm a... The smart people in Texas as well, sorry. <laughs> God love Texas. But I started thinking to myself, well, hang on a minute. I'm questioning everything. I'm, I'm a South Coast surfer boy of a, from Sydney, south of Sydney, Australia. What business do I have in the Bay Area doing what we believe God has called us to do? And you question everything. It was a, it was a dark moment for us. And then the doorbell rings. And this is why... God is so awesome, is we get a, we had just become citizens and we have a friend who has access to, she was on the security detail for Barbara Bush and she could get the flag that flew over the, um, the Capitol building the day we became citizens. And as we're in that moment, <laughs> the flag arrives on our doorstep. I was like, God's saying, you are called here. It doesn't matter what people are saying, what people are doing. 
I have called you to this area. We, and in that moment, we had to make a decision to trust in our true identity in Christ. On paper, for me, it didn't look good. Ellie's a lot smarter than me. But simply put, God just reminded me, said, Mark, you don't have to impress people. You just have to love them. You don't have to be the best preacher and communicator in the world or the deepest theologian with the most profound revelation of God that the world has ever seen. I haven't called you to do that. I've called you to love and serve people in this area. And I thank God that we didn't quit because week by week, people started coming back. Week by week, the presence of God started getting stronger again. Week by week, God started whispering vision into my heart again. Week by week, things begin to shift. Things begin to change because we chose to have faith in our true identity in Christ. And I can honestly stand here today and say, I'm not qualified to be the pastor of Exchange Community Church, but I am in Jesus' name called to be the pastor of Exchange Community Church and continue to run forward with what God has for us. And I can say the things in your world right now that the enemy has come, the thoughts that he has seeded in your head and potentially have snuck into your heart that are telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not qualified, are a lie of the enemy. He still kills and destroys. What would he, what would, if I was the enemy, you know what I would still kill and destroy? I would still kill and destroy truth. I would take their life if I could, but I would still kill and destroy truth. And when we go to truth, the Word of God, it reminds us that I am who you say I am. I am chosen. I have been called to be the head, not the tail. I have been called by God to make a difference in this area. I am called into my family, my family of God and my natural family. I'm called to be used by God to one day maybe finance a building in the Bay Area in Jesus' name, amen. God's putting those seeds in our hearts and we have to, in the hour, in the hour right now is urgent. I believe, it feels like things are wrapping up. Feels like Jesus is coming back. Mm. Hearing all this stuff about what's happening in the temple. Red heifers are turning up in Israel. Priests are doing ceremonies. I'm hearing all this stuff that I see online. But I'll tell you one thing that really got me is God bless my beautiful wife, Pastor Ellie, but she doesn't know a single celebrity on the planet. And I think that's what I love about her. She sits down and she has a casual conversation at some event with her friend, Christine Kane, with uh, Selena Gomez. Ellie doesn't have a clue who she's talking to. She's so funny. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Oh, you sing. Wonderful. <laughs> what was really funny, though, about that is uh, Chris was talking about how Selena went. They were in the back of nowhere in Africa. In the back of nowhere. Bulgaria, sorry. The back of Bulgaria. <laughs> I always get corrected. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And... These people in abstract poverty who have nothing knew Selena Gomez's songs. They knew who she was because of a simple little device called a phone. And you're telling me that 
people right across the world right now, the Bible says that until the gospel is preached to all four corners, if you're telling me right now that the potential for the people to hear the gospel and the hour is not near, the hour is close with what's happening, which to me means that we must, we have no choice but to put on our true identity in Christ and to live with everything we've got no regrets, no holding back. I don't believe right now it's a time to be timid and to be on the defence. It's a time to be on the offence and to reach people with the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe God wants to use a church like Exchange Community Church to do that. I believe that God wants to use this church to take ground back for His kingdom. And so that one day we won't be singing worship songs like the moment we just had here. We'll be doing it in heaven together with people from Park Mead who don't know Jesus yet, with people right across the Bay Area who don't know Jesus yet. Amen. 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 Do you receive God's Word today? I'm going to pray. I just feel like this is a, a great moment to pray. Holy Spirit, I thank You that Your presence is here. And Lord, a few weeks ago, we wrote down the name the names of three people that you would put on our heart that we would see come into relationship with you. And God, I pray that in this very atmosphere right now, you would continue to stir the faith. Lord, we know New Year's resolutions pass away, but God, we pray and stand on this New Year's revelation. Lord, that you are coming back that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray right now, Lord, that we would be evangelistically inspired to reach people, to see people come into relationship with you. God, I pray for all of the hang-ups and all of the stuff in our life right now that's holding us back from truly living out our true identity in you. God, I pray this would be a holy, sacred moment where we would lay that at the altar. To see right now people handing over thinking and thoughts that have been plaguing you. I see you handing that thing back over to Jesus, laying it on the altar. I see people who, who were told that they can't, but now in this moment, God's saying, yes, you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.